Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horror, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2018, on the basis of Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. So I don't know if you knew this, but Christmas is nothing but a big hoax. It would probably surprise you to hear something like that from a guy like me, but I'm guessing it wouldn't surprise you one bit if at some point during this month of December you had heard that from someone. You've maybe even heard the claim that the Christian celebration of Christmas in this month of December, well, it's sort of like a hostile takeover of a much older festival in worship to the sun god that was celebrated at the darkest time of the year. Maybe you've heard the claim that many of our Christmas traditions, including decorating a Christmas tree, have been borrowed from older pagan rituals. Maybe someone has even told you that the central claim of the Christmas story for Christians, the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, is obviously just a made-up story because, well, I don't know if you know this, but that's generally not where babies come from. All different ways of saying that Christmas is nothing more than a hoax. It's not my intent to try and answer each one of those claims for you this evening. You can probably go home and just as easily use Google to do that. But there is a very important question that I want us all to consider, and that question is this. Might it be the case that we would actually want Christmas to be a big hoax? Might that actually be a good thing? Might that even be the best thing in all the world? And here's what I mean. See, Christmas has a funny way of sort of bubbling to the surface. The things that deep down in our hearts we want most. And I'm not talking about diamond earrings or a big screen TV. No, the things that we talk a lot about around Christmas. Things like joy and peace and hope. And And maybe if you're anything like me, sometimes in your life it feels that no matter how hard you try and no matter what you do, those things that you want so much are just out of reach. Or maybe you can get them in little bits and pieces, but not fully and not permanently. Or maybe the very second you think you have it, you look around and you see someone who obviously has it even just a little bit more. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, something always seems to be standing in the way. So what do you do? How do you make it easier so that instead of all the struggling and the striving and the scratching and the clawing, it's as if this magical door just opens up and suddenly everything that you've ever wanted is just right there for the taking. How do you take whatever it is that's standing in the way of you having joy and peace and hope, how do you take what's standing in the way and get it, well, get it out of the way? The answer is, you need a hoax, and a good one at that. It was April of 1943, and because D-Day was still more than a year off, the Germans had a firm control on most of Europe. One morning, just off the coast of Spain, a dead body washed ashore, and a local fisherman discovered it. Based on what the man was wearing and the things that were in his wallet and his pocket, the fisherman discovered quite a bit about this dead body. His name was William Martin. He was a captain in the British Royal Marines. He had a a fiancé named Pam, to whom he had recently been engaged, and he even found out that the two of them had recently visited some movies in London because the ticket stubs were still in his pocket. When the fishermen submitted the body to local authorities, they simply assumed that the man had gone down, that he had endured a plane crash and simply drowned at sea. And the bait was set. It was all a lie. The man's name wasn't William Martin. He didn't have a fiancé 
named Pam. He wasn't a soldier in the British Royal Marines. In fact, that wasn't even his name. The, the body that they discovered belonged to a man named Glenn Michael. Why all the lies? Well, along with all of that other information that was on the body, he had a briefcase with him that contained some very important military documents, including a letter from one officer to another that just sort of in passing, just sort of casually mentioned this upcoming invasion of Greece being planned by the British. Well, the British weren't planning to invade Greece. They were planning to invade Italy. And if you were going to invade Italy, you had to start with Sicily, which is sort of that football at the bottom that the boot of Italy is getting ready to kick. But because it was so entirely obvious and apparent that the British might invade Sicily, they had to get the Germans to think that they were going to invade Greece. And so they went to a local coroner's office, found a dead body, borrowed it for a little bit, created a completely fake name and fake identification, fake picture, fake letters from a fake woman named Pam. They even went out and bought a diamond ring and tickets to the movies just so they could put real authentic receipts and stubs in the man's pocket. They hoped that the body would eventually make it into the hands of the Germans and that they would take the bait. It's been referred to as one of the greatest hoaxes in all of military history, maybe second only to that famous Trojan horse. But you know, I wonder if the people who come up with lists like that have ever read Luke chapter 2. The night had finally arrived when God was going to launch a full-scale invasion of his own. In fact, the angels told those shepherds exactly what was going on. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Nothing bigger than that has ever taken place. A Savior. Someone to rescue us from everything that is really wrong with us and really wrong with our world. The fact that no matter how hard we try, we can't be the people that we know we're supposed to be. The fact that no matter what we do, we have this aching sensation in our gut that tells us it's not enough. The fact that no matter how much we love someone or how closely we hold them, eventually our greatest enemy, death, is going to take them away. Salvation, rescue from all of that is what God was up to. And to make it happen, he didn't appoint a committee. He didn't send down a special task force. No, all of this was going to rest just on the shoulders of one, a chosen one, a promised one, the Messiah, the Christ. And because all of that important work was going to rest on the shoulders of just one, that one could not just be an ordinary one. That one had to be, as the angel said, the Lord, God himself, God's one and only begotten son. That's what God was up to. And that sort of raises the question that we would ask about any big effort like that. Where? How? And so Luke starts out his account this way. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. The most powerful man in the most powerful empire that has ever existed on planet Earth. And he was in a mood to flex his muscles. Just how many people do I rule over? Just how many taxes do they owe me? Just how many men can I draft into my military to make sure that my power stays secure? This was pure, unadulterated, 200-proof power, wealth, and glory, all in one man, unlike anything the world has ever seen, unlike anything the world had ever seen before. And we might be tempted to think that if God was going to do something big, it would kind of look just a little bit like that. 
and the bait is set. Instead, in a far-off place called Judea, in a tiny backwood town called Bethlehem, a young mother holds a baby in her arms. She takes her shawl or some other garment and rips it into strips of cloth just to have something to swaddle him in. And then she lays him on a bed of straw in a trough used to feed cattle. What a big giant hoax. The biggest ruse in all of history. Because in this way and in this place, in a world that is entirely hostile to him, God sneaks in his son. We need to pay careful attention to the word that the, angels, that the angel used to describe that baby and that cloth and that straw. The angel called it a sign. This will be a sign for you. This was more than just letting the shepherds know which stable on Main Street the baby Jesus was waiting for them. This was more than just helping them find directions. He could have led them by the hand if he really wanted to. Could have put a bright, shiny object in the sky like he would later do for the wise men. Could have just given him the address. Could have sent him the link on Google Maps. There's more going on here. The angel very specifically calls specific things a sign. The baby, the strips of cloth, the straw, those things were significant. Those things were emblematic. Those things indicated to the shepherds, to Mary and Joseph, and to us as well, that this is where and this is how our God works. And not just in the life of his one and only son, but in the lives of all of his adopted children as well. It's important for us to pay attention to that sign because there are lots of other signs in our world, aren't, aren't there? Bright, flashy objects, big neon billboards, viral videos that are all telling us where to look and where to turn for the things that we want most, for peace and joy and hope. Bright, flashy signs that tell us we can find happiness in the things we own and the thrills we pursue. Bright, flashy signs that tell us we can find peace, we can find safety and security as long as the right person is in office or the right policies are in place. Bright, flashy signs that tell us that our reason for hope, our reason to think that things are going to get better are all dependent on the goodness of the human spirit and the triumph of the human will. Bright, flashy signs everywhere we see. And all that means is that the bait is once again set. For God to work one more hoax in our day too. For him to work and to give his greatest gifts in a completely different way and in a completely different place. To show up into our world of sadness and strife and despair and bring the peace, the joy, and the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. I was reading this week and I came across a quotation from Martin Luther who I think summarized this idea very well. He said, God does not act in accordance with the world, but only in the reverse. He looks at that from which the world turns away, teaches those things from which the world flees, picks up what the world casts aside. If I could paraphrase him a little bit loosely, I think he's saying Christmas is God's big hoax. But that kind of raises an important question. Why? Why would God need a hoax? In 1943, the British needed a, a hoax because the Germans occupied a position of power over them. Sicily was well guarded and well defended. If the British just attacked, well, they might lose. They would certainly suffer intense casualties. But thankfully, because the hoax 
worked, because news about this intelligence made it all the way to Hitler himself, and because as a result of that intelligence, he decided to move seven divisions of his army all the way over to Greece, the British invasion was successful. They had estimated losing as many as 10,000 lives and 1,400 ships, but because of the hoax, they were able to successfully invade Sicily, losing just 1,400 men and about a dozen ships. But what about God? Why would God need a hoax? As strong and as powerful and as wealthy as Caesar Augustus was, he was certainly no match for God and the angel army that he commands. I mean, why didn't God just send down his son to start busting some heads and deliver us from all of our enemies? Well, make no mistake, God didn't need a hoax for himself. But we most certainly did. When the shepherds came across that angel that night, they reacted the way that people normally react when they come across an angel. They were terrified. But then the angel sent them on a mission. He sent them to that stable to see, to touch, to maybe even hold in their arms, not just an angel, but the Son of God himself. Talk about a suicide mission. What a frightening, frightening thing to come into contact with the face of God. Not only that, but imagine if God had done this with a whole lot of commotion and a whole lot of advertisement. If God's Son really was coming into the world, Imagine how big the crowd would be. Imagine the news outlets and the paparazzi who would be just dying to get the first pictures of the royal baby. Imagine the number of teenagers who would be standing there with their cell phones held up just waiting to post the video on Instagram. Imagine how quickly some entrepreneurial spirit within the crowd would figure out a way to make a profit off of the whole thing and start selling tickets. Imagine what the tickets would cost. Imagine if they came up with an order for who got to go in first based on social or economic status, where do you think the shepherds would have fallen in that line? You know the answer. You and I experience this kind of thing, at least I do, every time I go to the airport, right? You've got the gold club, and then the business select, and then first class, and then coach, and then cargo, and then maybe the shepherds would come after that. Instead, they walked in, uninterrupted, unhindered, maybe most remarkably of all, they walked in unafraid. Where would you and I be in line? If we listen to those bright flashy signs and look for peace, hope, and joy in all the places where those signs are pointing us, where do you think our place in line would be? If happiness could be found in TVs and trips and three-car garages, how happy would we be compared to that other person who always has more. If a sense of satisfaction could be found in the things that we do, how satisfied would we feel compared to someone who is smarter, more talented, and more driven? If peace and security could be found in power, how safe and secure would we be when all the people that, all, that have all the power are not interested at all in keeping us safe? If hope could be found for this life or for eternity in human goodness or human ingenuity, how much hope could we really have? How certain could you be of your eternal life compared to the dad who doesn't lose his temper every time he comes home after a long day at work? Compared to the mom who doesn't look for every opportunity to engage in small town gossip? Where would you be? Where would you be in that line? God didn't need a hoax, but we certainly did. And so God, hands, God sends his son completely undercover, 
so that we can just walk right in. So that we can look for joy in the simple fact of how much God unconditionally loves us. So that we can look for peace in the fact that all of our sins are forgiven and that our eternity is secure. So that we can look for hope in the fact that no matter how much we love someone, there is not a single thing in the world that can take those we love away from us permanently, not even even death. We can look for those blessings in those ways, and guess what? We will never be left out. We will never have to wait in line. We will never have to qualify. We will never miss the cut. And maybe most remarkably of all, we will never have to be afraid. I was reading a sermon, actually, from Martin Luther when I came across that quotation that I showed you before. And it was interesting, as I read that sermon, Martin Luther kept saying over and over and over again to his listeners, he kept saying, you just have to believe this. You just have to believe. You just have to believe. You just have to believe. Over and over again, it kind of sounds like the sort of thing someone would say who's not as concerned about facts and evidence and reason as us smart, sophisticated 21st century Americans are. Kind of sounds like the thing that you would say, something you would say about something that's not really actually true, that's kind of just a hoax. But it's interesting that when Luther kept saying that, he wasn't talking about the parts of the Christmas story that sometimes come under a little bit of scrutiny and that sometimes get questioned. He wasn't talking about the fact that the baby whose birth we celebrate tonight was the Son of God and was, in fact, born of a virgin. In fact, even when those questions are raised today, the proper response is not, well, you just got to believe it. What is it? Well, we don't have time to get into that tonight, but tell you what, if you come back at Easter, I'll give you the answer. Instead, Luther was talking about something completely different. He was talking about the part of the Christmas story that, hands down, is the most difficult for people of any age to believe. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Not that this did or did not happen, but that it happened for you. And that the blessings that come as a result of what happened are blessings for you. Do you believe it? If we paid attention to all the bright, flashy signs that are pointing us in all kinds of different directions, we could never know for sure. But because Christmas is God's big, big hoax, we absolutely can. We absolutely can because God sent his son into this world completely undercover, exactly where we needed him to be. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.